It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. <laughs> As part of our never ending coverage for the 12th man in the NFL, this is football. Fridays with Hugh Millen, sponsored by Tito's Handmade Vodka. Tito's on game day? Pour me in, coach. Find cocktail recipes for the everyday fan at titosvodka.com. 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof, crafted to be savored responsibly. Now with you, here's Safi and Dick. All right, Hugh Millen with us on the radio program every Friday, brought to you by Tito's. Uh, Huey, how are you, pal? What's going on? I'm doing great, guys. What's happening? Uh, not much. Before we dive into the Seahawk chatter, uh, lots of conversation about DK Metcalf this week. Want to get your thoughts on that? Why don't you just take a minute and just uh, reflect on the job that Kalen DeBoer has done in the 19 games that he's been walking the sideline for UW? Well, he's been spectacular, of course, and and uh, we'll wait and see when he's in the Big Ten and and the challenges there, and he doesn't have. Michael Penix and Roma Dunze and, and those kind of cats. But uh, all signs, of, of course, are pointing upward, and, and it's, it's really been something. And I, I just, for me, in studying them, I think that the, uh, the precision is in the details, and obviously their pass attack, attack is, is precise. It, you know, I would liken it to if you, if you watch a downhill skier, like an Olympic downhill skier, and they're training – they get into a crouch and they do it in a wind tunnel and every single inch matters, right? And and the precision that you have in that, I, I think you can say that with the receivers. I've been in coaching rooms where where the offensive coordinator is taken out like a telestrator, like a John Madden telestrator. And he says, hey, look, I wanted your hips to be here, not here. And then and I, you look and say, well, it's damn near the same thing. You know, your shoulders to be here, not here. And and the people that coach that way, they understand the, the kinesiology of it and, and the movement, the most efficient way to get in and out of breaks. You want to um, run an out route? Well, are you running a speed cut or a square cut? Uh, well, there's a different there's different kinesiology involved with that and, and different teaching, acute routes like, like comebacks and, uh, and curls and hooks and what have you. Those take a different type of body uh, uh, mechanics. And so they teach that, and then from a concept standpoint, they are they are very creative. In some ways, they remind me of Kyle Shanahan in, in terms of, of how they, they get receivers in the wake. Think of like water skiing. They get in the wake, and two receivers, that they make it hard on defenders to understand which way um, guys are going to go, and, and they spray releases, meaning instead of going perpendicular to the line of scrimmage, they're going to widen it or they're going to do an inside stem and then straighten. So they're doing a lot of little subtle details to get the feet of the defenders crossed up, and that's how you're getting the separation. And, of course, they've got Michael Penix just uh, dialed in into everything he could possibly face. And, and, and I'm speaking about the offense. I'm going to take one play from the defense. If you go back to that third and two uh, uh, that preceded the fourth and three, when when Oregon had the ball midfield, mm-hmm. two minutes to go, right? Remember the third and two? Of course. It, remember now, Oregon converts on this. They're going to take four knees in the game. Yep. 
And and Allah had that penetration, right? Remember that? Yep. For a, three, uh, a yard loss. And the running back slipped too, right? At Jordan James. Yeah. Well, the Huskies, yeah. the Huskies were in an under front. Normally, what you have. So the, so if you're, I want you, I'm going to put you in Bo Nix's position. Your shotgun. Your center is going to go hard left to the three technique. That's outside shade of the left guard. You're Bo Nix now. This is all from Nix's perspective. Normally, what you'd see in an under front is a guy shading the right shoulder of the center. But for whatever reason, Allah was in a two-eye, and that's not technically an under front. But what happened is the right guard stands up because he's, he's instead of blocking down on the, on the shade, he stands up, and there's a big window because the center disappears. Allah is able to knife through that hole and make the stop. But... Look, I, I haven't studied enough of Oregon's uh, offense to know why they called that. I just know this. He was in a two-eye and not a shade. So get, mm. getting back to what I said at the onset of the uh, of the segment, I said precision's in the details. And those type of details yep. to get that big gap. What did we see? As a layman, you saw this huge gap between the center and the right guard, all the knife's in. There's details behind that. They made the calls in the right spot, and, you know, we're, we're talking about a football team under Kalen DeBoer. There's only last two football games in a year and a half, and, and it's those details. Hugh, obviously the Huskies earned that win, but they got some help as well from Dan Lanning. Uh, I want to read you this quote, Rick Neuheisel, earlier with us today. Quote, we have more coaches out there using analytics as an excuse instead of playing situational football. Putting your head in the sand and saying, I'm doing it just because the book says so is not the right way to go about it. What's your thoughts on his calls and your thoughts on Rick's statement? Yeah, I'm not certain that that he is going by the book. I, I, take Brandon Staley. He's been under criticism for a lot of similar decisions he's made yes. as the head coach of the Chargers. There's, there's no question in my mind that he strikes me as a book guy, and we know from his comments. I'm not sure Dan Lanning's just not one of these puffed up, you know, macho guys that that <laughs> loves MMA and wants to wants to make everything analysis to MMA. And you know, he says, "Hey, we came up here to win." Well, okay, as if if you kick the field goal, does that mean you wanted to win less? Right? Like, yep. I'm not sure that it's all book. It may be, and and, and maybe I'm speaking out of turn. Yep. Nonetheless, all we can say is we analyze the decisions. They were all fourth and threes, exactly three yards to go, right before the half. I didn't like the scheme because to Bo Nix's left, a right-handed quarterback was the trips receivers. When he sprinted out to his right, he only had one option. The ball was on the left hash. The receiver was running a short comeback to the right front pylon. He's, he's got no other option. And you go back to a year ago, Nix threw about a 100-yard pick six at Pullman. So I can understand why he was reluctant to do it. The second one in the third quarter, fourth and three, going into the lake, uh, that was a case where – the Oregon coaching staff with the bunch formation they had to the right yep. and, and the Huskies in their man formation, they they got the matchup they got. They got a wide-open receiver. It, Bo Nix could have completed that when he was in fifth grade, but he chose, instead of trusting the matchup, the uh, the scheme on the right, he chose the matchup on the left, one-on-one on a hook route, and uh, he made a bad decision. And now the last one is the one that I would have – I think that the, the, the math would say it, of, of the three, the, the most sound or the least unsound perhaps was the last one because you got a, let's say you got a 50, 50 chance of, of picking up three yards and then you can end the game as opposed to what's the odds is, is Penix 
you know, 85 yards versus 50 yards, yeah. is it double the t- – probably not double. I mean, you could probably concoct based on assumptions. You could probably defend the last decision, although I still would punt it. But I think that the math could – you could find that defensible. Well, Danny, uh, but, uh, Danny Canal, hang on a second, Hugh. Danny Canal was on the show yesterday and said that Oregon, on seventy percent of the plays they have run this year, have picked up three yards or more, and they couldn't do it uh, on that fourth down play. So they were certainly playing the percentages, no doubt, on that play without yeah, question. But Dave, but Dave, how many of those? You know, that's the problem when you build this data set. You say, okay, well, how many of them were fourth and three? I don't know the answer, but these are, these are important questions. How many fourth and three? How many are with the crowd like that where you can't communicate? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, with the it. game on the line and totally it gets a it. better team. You know, if, if, if the Portland State is figuring into the, to the 70%, right, uh, then, then that book ha- is, is based on some assumptions that weren't playing out when that game was on the line. And, and just to close the point on that last one, where I credit the Oregon coaches on the, the second one, because they got a guy wide open in a in a switch release against man coverage, I credit the Husky coaches on the last one because they they deciphered that motion, and uh, and they got outside leverage on the outbreaking both the outbreaking routes uh, uh, that Nick's was going to. They got they got pressure up the field in the Nick's face, um, and so everything that you'd want to do, it was as if the Husky coaches were in the Oregon huddle, and so uh, it was a mixed bag uh, yeah. of those. But yeah. I would say. Yeah. If we're talking about right. the math. Right. I would say I would defend the, the last one. The All right, let's uh, let, let's let's move to a different conversation because uh, I want to get your thoughts on everything happening right now with DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf had a press conference what two days ago? Is that right, guys? Wednesday. Yes. Where he said, "Look, in regards to the personal fouls, I'm I'm not going to change my ways. I I play the way I play." And a lot of people have been critical of him for that. There's been a lot of people floating ideas about giving more targets to Jake Bobo trading DK Metcalf, getting a first-round draft pick for him, blah, blah, blah. Dick and I have gone back and forth on a lot of that this week. What do you make of just the approach to DK Metcalf that the media, some media, some fans are taking right now? Well, I I think you start and you say uh, everybody is accountable for their actions. So I'm going to talk about DK. There's no excuse. It's insubordination. What he said is a defiance um, that cannot be defended. Um, What he did on the field, in my opinion, is not just a bad look for DK Metcalf. It's so egregious that it's a bad look for the Seattle Seahawks. You will get zero support from me about DK Metcalf, either what he did on the field or what he said to the media uh, at all. So I hope I'm clear on that. Um, Now, so he's the most responsible. I do think that Pete Carroll... Uh, the philosophy of how you use them it's, uh, and, and how you deal with them. Let's just talk about how you deal with them. I think Pete Carroll is way too soft on how you deal with them. I, I play with Michael Irvin. He wouldn't dream of challenging Jimmy Johnson like that, right? And I could give, you know, Parcells and other guys. He'd say, well, that's a different style. I get it. But somehow or another, Pete Carroll's got to find a new way to, uh, to interact with DK Metcalf. Um, as far as the scheme, I'll just say this. Um, I've sent you guys a bunch of – of, of photos from the all 22 about how open he was against Cincinnati. I've sent you guys um, uh, clear pictures, both of Tyler Lockett's touchdowns against the Lions, including the game winner in overtime that they're playing what a lot of people call cover seven. It's just man to man against everybody else. And two guys bracketing who DK Metcalf and Tyler's getting one-on-one. This is happening all the time. D 
DK Metcalf gets rolled and doubled more than um, Tyler. And, and even that sting route, that sting post uh, that Tyler had down the middle of the field uh, with a, a minute, two, two minutes ago, there's two defenders within two yards uh, of, of Metcalf. So, so his impact, <laughs> I mean, I just kind of, ch- I mean, Bobo, I'm not even going to address that because that, that, that sounds like somebody who just, you know, is, I, I don't know, plays cricket in India or something. <laughs> Nobody who watches football would, would say that. Metcalf, I think, is underutilized. Um, I'm going to just cite some facts that you, you can debate the relevance. Prior to the season, ESPN came out with a, uh, the, their top 100 based on, on, on uh, polling, general managers, coaches, scouts, what have you. There was only three Seahawks that made the list. Pat Mahomes was number one out of 100, as you suggest. DK Metcalf was 52, and Tariq Woolen was 82. And Tyler Lockett was 90. That's it. Now, this is linemen and everybody else. This isn't just skill guys for Mm -hmm. fantasy. Okay. Um, PFF last year, there was discussion about, okay, route tree. PFF, they have a separate – if if you get their analytics that the the teams get, they grade the routes. Metcalf had, for the entire season last year, a higher route grade than Tyler Lockett. This year, Metcalf has a higher route grade – Entire locket and the and the gap is widening. They also have eleven categories categories of routes. So if if you're just completely the route tree, you were you ran everything the same. Every every category would be nine percent. So DK only had two two of those categories where his uh, uh, his routes were under five percent. Tyler had six percent. So I, I mean, I. I give you my opinion. I don't know how much it carries weight. I give you the, these photos. I just how, how about Troy Aikman? Troy Aikman. Every time he does a Seattle game, he says, "What?" I would throw to Metcalf over the top, deep every single quarter, four times a game. And so, so I think that he they don't throw to him as much. He's open and he's not being thrown to. It's it's getting him frustrated, and they are going to rue the day. I believe this. We'll be talking in ten, fifteen, twenty years on sports radio about how we underuse DK Metcalf. He's that good yeah. and it's not you know that's why the Cowboys were willing to give two number ones for him last year. Well, and so they in my opinion, you got to ramp it up uh in terms of of your use of DK Metcalf. Well, what I'm hearing from you is it's it's more maybe more a Geno thing than it is a Waldron and a Pete thing. I mean, Hugh Geno, 9 of his first 12 starts, he was over 100 passer rating. He is 2 of his last 11 is he just yeah. afraid of making mistakes so he's rushing through his progressions or is he just not seeing guys? What is it? Because I think a lot of what you're saying about DK is a Geno thing. Yeah, and, and this more so than most weeks. And and he was, uh, and I really stressed on Monday and every time I've been on this week, I, his aggression, discretion meter was way out of calibration. And what I mean by that is, is the majority – I had a, an entire sheet of paper. Now, I'm in Connecticut right now. It's not in front of me. But I had an entire sheet of paper after studying uh, the, the coach's tape from the Bengal game, of, and it was entitled Geno to Conservative. And most of them were to DK, where, where they had opportunities and he just wasn't pulling the trigger. And then, paradoxically, uh, on, on the bottom of the paper, with, with less uh, uh, um, entries – was the DK, or excuse me, Geno too aggressive, including those two interceptions? And so he had a couple of bad decisions. He threw a he threw a uh, 
a go route out of bounds to Tyler Lockett. That's an aggressive. Say Metcalf was open on a slant on the opposite side, and it was it was there pre-snap. The window was bigger than you could ever hope to see in in youth football, let alone NFL, and he just wasn't looking there. And so, yeah, that was a bad day for uh, – and I think some of the um, – whether it's PFF or, or some of them, I think that they tend to miss more on the, – they'll, they'll grade a guy down when he's too aggressive and he throws an interception. Because the, the grader might be like he played linebacker in small college or something. Maybe he has never been in an NFL quarterback meeting. They're less likely to grade a guy down when, he, when he's conservative and he gets a completion for a check down. When in a quarterback room, you're going, dude, we, 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 we got to take that shot. We, we called that play for that coverage. We got the coverage we want. It's wide open. You got to throw that. Otherwise, we'll be sitting at the end of the game and we'll have 13 points and we'll lose 16 to 13. Yeah, maybe we'll have a nice passer rating. Now, in this case, uh, it didn't because DK, or as I said, Gino paradoxically threw two interceptions. But if you get too conservative, yeah, you might not, uh, you might have a high completion percentage and no interceptions, but you're not going to have points. You're not going to have wins. Yeah. So I think yeah. he was off, and, and he's got to pick that up. Well, I, I just, I'll just throw it out there, Hugh. I know we got to wrap it up. You're saying that the Hawks have to ramp up their use of DK Metcalf. This is his fifth year. Okay, guys, he's been here for five years. So if you're telling me that all of a sudden Pete Carroll says, you know what, you guys have been right the entire time. I'm going to start throwing the ball to DK Metcalf ten times a game. I will drop over and hit my head on the cement if that happens starting this Sunday against Arizona. He's been here five years. What makes you think that's going to change you? Well, here's it's really sad. I agree with that. I agree with everything you just said. And here's the sad part. For those who, I mean, the Bobo thing, I'm not even going to, I mean, I mean, that's absurd. But for those who think, okay, well, let's move on, then guess what you're going to be doing? You're going to be saying, oh, we got to get an X receiver. And what kind of X are you going to be looking for? You're going to be looking for a guy, oh, can we get a guy who's just 80% of DK? Like, you already got him. And, 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 and please understand, you don't just evaluate a receiver based on routes that are thrown to you. What about the again, the single coverage that Tyler gets because DK's getting doubled. You get rid of DK, and that's, that's going to have uh, like a Jenga tower. That's yeah. going to have repercussions across everything, even down to the running game. So, so you're, just, you're dying when you scout to hit the home run with a second rounder as talented as DK, and then you just say, well, let's get rid of him and then pray that the next guy is, is, a, is a fraction of DK. That's nonsensical. Yeah. Keep DK, throw him the damn ball, and and that's what teams do with the Michael Urbans and the Jerry Rice's yep. and the and the and the Shannon Sharks. No you, doubt, you, you got a thoroughbred. Keep his bucket full of oats. All right, man, I love it. Uh, we love horse analogies too, all the time on the air. <laughs> hey, Sunday post game show with Dick after the Hawks in Arizona yep. on the station. Uh, enjoy Connecticut. We'll talk soon, buddy. Thanks, Thanks pal. Hammer down. All right, right, Hugh Millen with us on the radio show. Uh, I think if I saw Jose Altuve in person, I might pee myself after what I just saw him do in this baseball game. We'll come back and talk about that next on 93.3 KJRFM. Now back to the Washington State Beat Commission's Football Friday on your home for the 12th man in the NFL. Sports Radio 93.3 KJRFM. High fly ball.
Okay, I want to ask you guys a question. Where was that game just played? Texas. Did you hear the crowd? Yep. Oh, yeah. Okay. There's a lot of ass. Did you hear there. the crowd? My God, dude, yep. that would make me as pissed off as I get about Blue Jay fans coming yes. to Seattle. <laughs> that would make me sick. Now, I realize Houston, Arlington, a little Not bit of a far. different story, but that was crazy. How many Astro fans were at that stadium for that game today? So, uh, Texas is leading 4-2 to two in the top of the ninth, and then Jose Leclerc met Jose Altuve, and Jose Altuve put Jose Leclerc over the left field wall with a three-run bomb. And the Astros win 5-4. to four. Uh, Just an amazing, amazing game. Uh, Houston is, I agree with Steve Sandmeyer, Jose Altuve is not just the devil. He is the spawn of the devil. <laughs> All right? He is going to bring the entire world down, this guy. He is a badass mother chicken. And you know what I'm talking about when I say mother chicken. What a game. Unbelievable. I want to hate the Astros. I want to hate Jose Altuve. But what that guy just did was unreal. Yeah, you can hate and respect at the same time. And I've got a lot of hate for the Astros, but I have a lot of respect for Jose Altuve as a baseball player. We are are Ron uh, West Mantooth, and they are Ron Burgundy. If you know what I'm talking yes, about. Yes. God, I hate well you. Done. But I respect That's the right. hell out of you. Well, 26 home runs now in the postseason for Jose Altuve. That is second all time behind yeah. Manny Ramirez. Unreal, man. Second all time. And the dude's like four foot two. Yeah, and they play a lot more playoff games now. I understand That's true. that. But still, we're not talking about comparing Jose Altuve to Mickey Mantle and Ted Williams and Harmon Killebrew. We're talking about comparing him to everybody else around the game now. And they've all had shots at this thing. Bernie Williams played in like a thousand playoff games. He was on the list too, but he's below. He's He's one behind. He's below. He's one behind Jose Altuve. So I I just texted Booney because there was a play in the game earlier in, God, where was it? Was it the seventh inning or the sixth inning? Uh, It was the eighth inning. Well, the hit uh, by pitch. The homer by Garcia. Oh, the homer was in the sixth. sixth. Adelis Garcia hits a three run bomb for Texas. They're down two to one in the sixth inning. And he homers off of, I believe it was off Verlander, because that was the ball I think that chased him out of there. That's correct. I'm not mistaken. So he's he's walking to first base, like literally just walking, taking his sweet-ass time, has his bat in his hand, and just slams it down to the ground right on the baseline, right in front of the Ranger dugout, okay? So two innings later, he comes up, and he gets plunked. And we're all asking, did they hit him on purpose? Okay, Dusty Baker got thrown out. There was a big brawl or an almost brawl. Uh, I don't think the Astros did it on purpose because they're down two with the fifth run on base at the time. Mm -hmm. Either A, that's incredibly ballsy by Houston to do that, or they just feel like, you know what? We got to send a message right here and right now. Booney says they hit him on purpose. I just texted him. He says he thinks they hit him on purpose down two in the most important game of the year so far in the late innings. That's crazy. I've gone full circle on this because we've got it here. We don't have the audio on. We're doing the show. My initial reaction, just seeing where that pitch landed, fastball in the ribs, it totally looked intentional. And then you showed me the the game log, and they're like, man, there was a guy on base. There was nobody out. They're putting a guy on second with nobody out. They were down by two, and and I was like, yeah, you're probably right. But now I'm looking at it like, you know what? They probably said, screw that. This is bigger than us being down two. This might spurn us to victory if it doesn't spur us to victory in this game, maybe this spurs us to victory in game six and game seven, and we come back from three, two down. Yeah. 
I think it was done intentionally. I agree with Boone. Well, remind me the scenario against the Astros at T-Mobile Park with in the Naris? second to last game of the year. Naris, he who did he hit? Was it Julio? Did he hit Julio? I mean, it feels like it was a thousand, a thousand years, years ago. Let me now. Look, but let you me guys know what I'm talking yes. about. There was that moment in the Astros series where Hector Neris, and I think it was Julio, because then they showed the tape of Julio taking him yard like last year. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Yes. In Houston. So he hits Julio and then just totally short circuits the Mariners. They just completely That's flip right. out, go brain dead, completely brain dead after that hit by pitch. And I just wonder how much of this is the same damn thing that Houston does where they get inside your head and they try to turn a baseball game into a hockey fight. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. And they absolutely get inside your brain and they scramble your eggs so hard that you can't even focus on what you're doing. Because remember what happened the next inning. Teoscar Hernandez had that boot in right field on that ball that was hit to right. Yes. That went right by him. So Neris hits Rodriguez and the Mariners just completely spaz out and And, totally lose their cool. And it goes from four to three to eight to three. Right. Exactly. And And the game's over. Yeah. So again, tonight they hit Garcia and they get out of it. And then Texas's bullpen comes in. Maybe they're just all amped up, a little bit too amped up about what happened, and Jose Altuve just destroys Jose LeClerc. Didn't destroy the ball. that barely made it over the wall, but it, who cares, right? So the mind games, guys, that the Houston Astros play, I think we saw it on display in Seattle, and I think we saw it on display tonight, and it just reminds me that our team, everything comes back to our team, right? When I'm watching yeah. games like this, our team has to get tougher. They got to get bigger balls if they're going to get by a team like the Astros. And that means the owner, too. Yeah. The owner's got to put the pieces in place to get by these SOBs, and the players have to play with much bigger balls if they're going to get by a team like the Astros. Because right now, they own everybody. I mean, they, 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 they own the league. And you mm-hmm. mentioned this off the air about playing Philadelphia in the World Series. Yeah. God, I hope that happens. Oh, that'd be a hell Astros, of a series, Phillies, man. If the Rangers can't come back and win this, which I'm still rooting for, but if the Astros play the Phillies in the World Series, man, you may as well forget the game and just put a boxing ring out there. Oh. Let them go at it. And that's the fans, too. Those alpha dogs, how many alpha dogs would be in that series? I mean, and that's the thing. And, and you're talking about toughness. It's also alpha dogs. How many alpha dogs do the Mariners have? Not many. One, Not many. When maybe. you say alpha dog, what do you mean by alpha dog? I'm like somebody about who can just... literally start a fight and walk out there and smack people around? And back it up. Yeah. Well, Bryce no. Harper's an alpha yeah. dog. Nick think, Castellanos yeah. is an alpha dog. Jordan Alvarez is an alpha dog. Jose Altuve is as small as he's at. He is an alpha dog. There's a lot of them on those two teams. I don't know if we have any, to be honest yeah, with I you. I think you might be I right. I mean, the guy that got everything going a year ago was Jesse Winker. 
at the Angels game. Paul Seawald's an off dog. We got Seawald would have been one, but now he's in Arizona. <laughs> Did you see? By the way, do we have the clip? Maybe this is. Yeah. Um, do you have that clip? Give me one second. The, uh, the Chris Rose clip. Did yeah. you hear this? I didn't hear it. I heard you Paul refer Seawald to it, but I have not heard it. On the Chris Rose show. We should come back and play that next right. segment because I want to I want to get the clip where he talks about not just walking through the airport and he's crying because everybody's telling him how much they're going to miss him. Mm. So he had to put his sunglasses on walking through SeaTac Airport. There's a quote from Paul Seawald. I think we have it. Uh, if not, we can maybe hunt it down. Where he basically claims that he was traded because he opened up his mouth. Behind closed doors. Remember him and J.P. Crawford came out and ripped the team for selling Blue Jays jerseys? And everybody joked, well, he's getting traded now. We were like, whatever. Well, guess what happened? The guy got traded. Wouldn't have been the first time if it's true. It's our, pathetic our if boy, it's true. Our boy Nelly got traded. All right, we'll see if we can track it down. Uh, Jose, Jose, Jody Ayler. There's too many Jose's around here. Jody Ayler from Fox Sports 910 in Phoenix talking Cardinals and ASU in Arizona versus Seattle weekend, baby, coming up at 610 on 93.3 KJRFM. Now back to the Washington State Beat Commission's Football Friday on your home for the 12th man in the NFL. Sports Radio 93.3 KJRFM. By the way, we now have a uh, second ex-major leaguer uh, texted the same question. Uh, do you think Houston hit Garcia on purpose? And they both wrote back and said, absolutely. One was Brett Boone. The other was Jeff Nelson. So there you go. They certainly they, look they like both it. both think it was on purpose. But we are talking last segment about getting tougher when you're playing the Astros. This is another example of the mind games that Houston likes to play. And they played it with the Mariners, and they melted like butter. Uh, against uh, Hector Neris uh, in that game at T-Mobile Park, completely short-circuited and lost their minds uh, against the Astros. Well, today, the Astros may have just done the same thing. Uh, Speaking of getting tougher, when your own players come out and say you got to get better, when your own players internally ask you to get better, is the appropriate response to scold them in public or trade them? Or is the appropriate response to say, you know what, you're damn right, and we appreciate your passion? We are going to get better, Paul Seawald. We are going to get better, Cal Raleigh. The more and more I think about what Scott Service said, Dick, yeah. about what Cal Raleigh said on that Saturday afternoon, the more angrier I get. A lot of people like to focus on Jerry Depoto and the 54%, and I totally get that. It's a quote that will live in infamy until the end of time. I'm totally with you on all of that. 54% of our games. But when Scott Service came out and told Cal Raleigh to control his emotions, I there's a lot of language I'd love to use here mm. on the air that I can't. Maybe I should do a podcast off the air. Uh, I, I I thought it was complete chicken crap what he said about his catcher. This guy's busting his ass every day, right, at the most grueling position in Major League Baseball. Become a huge leader for that team. Coming up with big hit after big hit after big hit after big hit. And his manager can't even have his catcher's back mm-hmm. in public after he was pissed off and emotional that they lost a game that eliminated them from making the playoffs for the second year in a row, and your response is to control your emotions? My God. Unbelievable low point for me in the career of Scott Service when he said that about Cal Raleigh. I thought it was chicken crap. Absolute chicken crap, bull bleep nonsense when he said that. Pisses me off more than Jerry Depoto. We're actually doing the fan base a favor. Way more! 
When it comes to the players and what they can and cannot say, I think it fully depends on two things. Who the player is and how they go about saying it. Let's take the Seahawks, for example. If Bobby Wagner was upset with something the management was doing with the Seattle Seahawks, and he said it in a very Bobby Wagner-like way. Bobby never gets emotional. Exactly. Then it would be totally appropriate. If Jamal Adams got upset with something the Seattle Seahawks management was doing and said it in a Jamal Adams way, it would be very inappropriate. And I think Cal Raleigh borders more on the Bobby Wagner than he borders on the Jamal. Hundred percent. It was a very measured. You yes. know, it was a very. It was very calm. He wasn't yelling. He wasn't screaming. He yes. wasn't pointing anybody out individually as right. far as his teammates goes. He was showing the kind of passion and desire to win that we want to see out of our owner. That's what he was showing. And for those guys to come out and dump on him the way that they did, I just thought it was totally unnecessary. And I thought that, honestly, it kind of may have helped him lose the clubhouse a little bit when he, when you say something like that. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be a fan of his if, if I'm a player and I come out and he says something like that. So, hey, Scott Service has done a lot of great things, guys, with this baseball team. That was not one of them. And then you wonder... How far will the team go when it comes to criticism? Well, Jeff Nelson is convinced, as you know, yes. that he was traded 20 years ago because he opened up his mouth. That's right. Was Paul Seawald traded because of the same reason? He was on the Chris Rose show a couple of days ago and was asked to respond to Cal Raleigh's comments that Cal made after the Mariners got eliminated. Had I been there, probably would have echoed the exact same thing. I, You know, I had my frustrations while I was there about the team that we had put together as well. And, you know, and frankly, that's why I got traded. I'm so excited to be here in Arizona, but a part of me is like, well, had we done something different, I wouldn't have been traded and I would have been there and we would have been in the position where we could have run it back there. I don't blame Cal at all. I understand exactly what he's saying. As a group, it felt frustrating that we didn't, that we went from the ALDS last year being right there, that we didn't improve our team as much as we thought we probably needed to. When your division rival literally takes you out at your home stadium like that, and all they did was go from last place to their two games away from the World Series by spending money, it just hits you. It hits you harder. Yeah, well, he, he thinks that's a re- one of the reasons why he got traded. Paul Seawold's mm-hmm. on record saying he believes him speaking up and this was even behind the scenes, right? Because I don't yeah. ever remember him saying anything on the record. He went after the Mariners for selling Blue Jay jerseys in the team store and got traded two weeks later at the deadline, yeah. right? And maybe he would have been moved anyway. I don't know. But this is another guy who is stepping up and saying, I'm not here because I opened up my mouth and shared my opinion. Was Paul Seawald not speculated as a trade deadline piece, though, even before that? happened yes i think he was i think he was but uh, again this is what paul believes yeah right or wrong it's what paul believes and he's way inside more so than you and i are obviously um i just think this man i i think that the mariners have a problem with trust with their fan base and i think it's really really bad right now at this moment it's not anything that winning and signing Shohei otani can't cure But I think the trust that this team built up a year ago, Dick, with the run that they made, I think a lot of it has been lost. Well, and the problem is... A lot of it. it, The problem is the Mariners, by their own doing, and I'm talking about Jerry DePoto, turned sadness into anger. 
We were sad that they didn't make the playoffs. I wasn't really angry at the end of the season. I was sad. I was disappointed that they could they they couldn't. And I was really more disappointed at the players than anybody else over the last two weeks of the season that most of them just fell apart. And then my ire and the ire of the whole city turned from the players to Jerry DePoto after what he said. Yeah, yeah. Well, just think about the goodwill that we had a year ago at this time, right? You're yeah. watching the playoffs. I mean, yeah, you're pissed off. You're sad, all that stuff. And you know what? We're on the come. That's right. We are. How many people made the analogy that the 2012 Mariners- Seahawks? Exactly. That, yep. That's the same spot. Okay. Well, now that's gone, right? That goodwill is gone. And good luck getting it back immediately because, again, what do you do? You trade for Juan Soto. You trade for Pete Alonso. You sign Shoei Otani. Get it back. That, that, that's how you do but it. But that's the only way right? you can do it, that's right? That's how you do it. And if you don't do that, then it will just take time. It'll take wins in the a lot of wins in the regular season. And then even then, a lot of people will say, look, wake me up when it's October. Right? Because we've been here before. We've been in contention. We've been to the playoffs. Wake me up when it's October. So I'm really disappointed for them. I'm disappointed for the fan base. I'm disappointed for us because this was not supposed to be like this. This was supposed to be a town that was a budding, growing baseball town Mm -hmm. that was going to get all fired up and Mariner games. We're going to outdraw Seahawks games and blah, blah, blah. And now you're just completely back to square one with the goodwill and the lack of trust, man. It really is unbelievable. It's just another example. And it's just, it's Groundhog Day, guys. Another example. Their PR savvy over there is in the gutter. It's in the gutter. Okay? This stupid thing with the port that they went through when they pissed off basketball fans when they had no reason to. The port of Seattle is fighting your fight. Shut the hell up and let them fight the fight for you. You don't need to get involved. Instead, you get involved, you call it a big, ugly house, and you piss off half your fan base that want the NBA back. That's right. Uh, why? 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 With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Unreal, man. It's unreal, Dick. It really is. Headlines and then Jody Ayler from Fox Sports 910 talking to ASU and Cardinals coming up 610 right here on 93.3 KJRF. Right out of the gate, I need to ask if I can count on the, the, the titans of Seattle Sports Talk Radio. We've got Cattell Marte, Paul Seawald, the oh. pride of the Pacific Northwest, Corbin Carroll. Uh, forget about the ALSCS. Can we count on Softy and Dick's support for the Arizona Diamondbacks in the National League Championship Series? You know, first of all, that little smartass. Uh, <laughs> it's in good faith. Are you it's kidding me? I mean, dude, we're pulling our hair out up here watching Seawald and Cattell Marte do what they're doing down there. I saw where, you know, Paul Seawald said on Chris Rose's podcast he was traded. He thinks he was traded 
because he called out ownership like Cal Raleigh did. <laughs> and he's been a stud for you guys, has he not? He's been incredible. But the part of the thing that makes Paul Seawalt so effective is he believes his 93-mile-an-hour fastball is 103. So I don't yeah. doubt that he doesn't believe that he was calling out ownership when really it was just, you know, Jerry DePoto doing Jerry DePoto things. But I'm serious. Listen, the, the, who wants to root for the Rangers and Astros, Nobody. man? I mean, those Nobody. two teams are brutal. And, and I think the Diamondbacks right now are a little bit more in line with, with the Seattle sports scene than maybe the Philadelphia Phillies. So we could all gang up on the Phillies for crying out loud. Well, I saw your television station couldn't find one D-backs fan in Philadelphia. So are people really juiced up for this baseball team down there? They are. They are. I mean, it's it's real. I mean, you saw there. there's a legit home field advantage. But this is not generational support. This team was not very good this year. So we didn't even have, like, monthly support building up. This is all very, very new. And I think the Diamondbacks are earning a lot of new fans. My kids are into it. Other people's kids are into it. That's mm-hmm. an important step for Phoenix is mm-hmm. building on this afterwards. But, yeah, it's it's fun, man. You guys know it's exciting. It's It's good times. Yeah, we really don't know. Uh, it's been 22 years <laughs> since the ALCS, so uh, it's been that long. We got no damn idea. So maybe we're living vicariously you got, through you guys, huh? Well, yeah, you, you're living the 46 percent apparently. So uh, yeah, that's, that's exactly, how that exactly. <laughs> oh, jeez, it even reached down there, you're didn't just it? Just all full of smart-ass <laughs> responses. I love it. Well, Jody Ayler, Fox Sports 910, is with us. So, what do you think, man? Uh, Sun Devils coming up tomorrow. Cardinals here on Saturday. Do we do we expect two beatdowns, two blowouts by the Seahawks and Huskies? What do you think happens this weekend? Uh, I think the Sun Devils probably cover. I, I do think that they, they lose. Uh, I think that's just kind of a given right now, given the way that Washington offense. I'm going to be watching the Huskies mostly because I think that wide receiver up there could be the Arizona Cardinals' next franchise wide receiver. Mm-hmm. They're probably too good to get the number one or number two overall pick or even number three overall pick for Marvin Harrison Jr. So there's a lot of eyeballs going to be on the Huskies. As far as the Cardinals, man, I mean, honestly, with Kyler Murray coming back to practice this week, there's a general apathy from most Cardinals fans. Like, okay, cool. Wake us up when Kyler's back. Let Josh Dobbs go do his Josh Dobbs thing. And this is the last chance the NFL is going to have to pile on this Cardinals team maybe this week or next week until Kyler comes back. You've watched a lot of these Arizona State-Washington games over the years. What in the world is it? Is there a common thread? Softy and I were looking at this. I mean, Arizona State almost on a yearly basis beats Washington. It is weird, isn't it? And there's really no rhyme or reason for it. The coaches change, the quarterback change, everything. There's not this weird, bad blood rivalry between the two college programs. It just seems to be one of those, uh, you know, matchups that favors Arizona State. I mean, it, the thing that that Husky fans can sort of take some some solace with is that this is a severely limited Arizona State offense. And if this turns into anything close resembling a shootout, they just don't have the firepower. They don't have the offensive line. They are really well coached. I think there's a similarity between the Sun Devils and the Cardinals in that their talent level isn't there. Nobody's expecting them in. But both Kenny Dillingham and Jonathan Gannon, they do get the most out of the talent that is on the field. So they're not easy outs. They're going to be feisty. They're going to come ready to play. But both of these teams kind of run out of gas by the middle of the third quarter. Well, in the wacky stats category, guys, UW is about to leave the Pac-12, as you know, Jody, and take off for the Big Ten. And there's only three teams in the history of this conference that have a winning record against UW. It's USC, UCLA, and ASU. Weird. That's it. I mean, that is wild. But Jody Ayler with us on the radio show. 
How about the game on Sunday? Uh, if the Seahawks are going to lose this game, the Cardinals come up here and they cover and they win the game and walk away with a kind of shocking victory, if you will. All of us expect the Hawks to play well after what happened in Cincinnati a week ago. What does that look like if the Cardinals come up here and get this W Sunday? Well, there's a couple things. I keep saying this about the Cardinals without Kyler Murray. Their opponent in this instance, the Seattle Seahawks, would have to be complicit in their own demise, meaning the Cardinals would have to win the turnover battle. The Cardinals would have to win the penalty battle. And given DK Metcalf, man, you guys have been on a string up there with some just crazy quotes that I've been reading and hearing is DK Metcalf's not going to change the way he plays. He starts rattling off all the penalties he's accumulated, like five penalties. Like, oh, I've had a unnecessary roughness, a holding, a face mask, but I'm good. I'm like, Dude, I don't know how many wide receivers can just do an accounting of all of the penalties they've had through six weeks, but he thinks it's fine. If they play reckless like that, if you see some real mistakes and, you know, the Dallas Cowboys were trying to sleepwalk through the Cardinals. This is a really well-coached defense. This is a really well-coached offense. The scheme is night and day from Cliff Kingsbury, who went down to USC to try to gravy train Caleb Williams, and I don't think it's a shock that Caleb Williams is having a down year with pretty boy Cliff down there pretending to cosplay as an actual football coach. So this is going to be about the turnover battle, the penalties, and if the Seattle Seahawks sleepwalk through this NFC, where we we always know, you, you talked about Washington and ASU, don't the Seahawks and Cardinals play two weird games every single year? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Bizarre games. And you're right about DK. And he was he kind of explained it away by saying, well, don't you have a bad day at the office sometimes? And if I was in the room, I would have said, yeah, but not every day. <laughs> I don't have a bad day at the office and throw a stapler against the wall. What's going on with Josh Dobbs? Why was he named the starter over Colt McCoy, who at least had years and years of veteran experience? Uh, Colt McCoy had a new alarm. He just couldn't complete a pass. They had a joint practice in Minnesota mm-hmm. against the Vikings, and he just couldn't complete a pass with any sort of force or velocity. Josh Dobbs knows Drew Petzing from Cleveland. Everybody knows the story. He's an aerospace engineering major from Tennessee. He's a really smart guy, really nice guy. He's just a limited quarterback, but he has done when he's played his best. He executes this offense. He doesn't make mistakes. Now, the first four weeks of the season, he didn't have a turnover. He didn't have an interception. He's had five of them in the last two weeks. So there's been a little bit of the clock striking midnight turning back into a pumpkin for Josh Dobbs, yeah. who I think has earned a real job with the Cardinals going forward as a well-paid backup. But he, he, if he takes care of the ball and watch out for the run game, Drew Petzing right now is the offensive coordinator for the Cardinals. You're not going to hear a lot about him nationally. You are going to come away from this game impressed with some of the play designs and play execution but Dobbs just doesn't have the ability to put this offense on his back. And I would expect not only the Cardinals offense to struggle, but defensively, and we can talk it, and I'm sure you guys were going to ask, Buda Baker's expected to be back. And I know there's so much love and affection for Buda, the, yep. the, oh, yeah. the Husky Buda Baker, but we need four Buda Bakers because the secondary back there is absolutely brutal this year. And that's going to be some easy pickings for Geno Smith and company. Uh, Jody Ayler, Fox sports, nine ten. So you said something there that kind of piqued my interest. Uh, watch out for the running game. So James Connor's not playing. Your second leading rusher is Josh Dobbs. Your third <laughs> leading rusher is Rondell Moore, who is a wide receiver. What should I look out for the running game exactly on Sunday? The offensive line has been an effective run-blocking unit. This has been their strength. Now, you're right. The, the personnel is not anywhere what it was at the beginning of the year. James Conner was a huge loss for this offense. 
and which is why I don't expect the Cardinals to be able to go on the road and win without James Conner. But they do punish uh, the, the defensive line in the run game. That offensive line, Paris Johnson's probably the best rookie in the NFL that people aren't talking about. The sixth overall pick, he's been an absolute revelation at right tackle. Probably played his worst game last week, but you expect some ups and downs from a rookie offensive lineman. I mean, Amari DiMarcato is a guy <laughs> is going to get a lot of touches for him. He played at TCU. Honest to God, guys, I did not hear his name once in training camp. I didn't see his <laughs> name come across the transition wire as an undrafted free agent, and yet he has been a pretty effective weapon for them. And then Keontae Ingram probably ran the ball as effectively as any time last week. It's, I'm, I'm not here to make the case that these running backs are going to run roughshod, but there's just really good play designs from this offense that are going to put Josh Dobbs in a position with some quarterback sneaks to keep the defense honest. And we've seen them use Dobbs as a runner more effectively the last two weeks. And I just think there's an element to this offense you've got to respect. Otherwise, they will put up some yards. I, do, I don't think they can put up more than three scores in a game with Josh Dobbs. And so that's sort of their ultimate, their hindrance. Well, finally, Jody, you mentioned that you didn't think Arizona would get the number one overall pick. I agree with you. But, hey, they're one and five, maybe about to be one and six. So there is that chance. If they do get the number one overall pick, do they take Caleb Williams or do they hold that pick for ransom like the Bears did last year? I think right now it's it's probably for ransom is is sort of where we're leaning. We've gone back and forth on this a bunch, but Kyler looks good, and 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 for Cardinals fans that have watched this team closely, this offense is going to be potentially prolific with Kyler Murray. And it just I can't emphasize enough how elementary this team was for four years offensively with Cliff Kingsbury, and now they've got a real head coach with real leadership and a real offense. And I think for the first time, Kyler Murray's going to have a real partnership instead of carrying the dead weight of his GM and head coach. We just need to see it in action. And so I expect Kyler to be really effective in this offense whenever he plays. A lot of speculation that could be against the Falcons in a couple weeks, fully use that 21-day window, although there's no guarantee he could be back earlier. And then in that scenario, I think they absolutely get a massive haul, rebuild this defensive line that Jonathan Gannon knows they need to, add to this wide receiver group, which they know they need to. And I don't think it's out of the question, guys, that by next year the Arizona Cardinals are a team in the NFC West at the Seahawks, Niners, Rams. They're not going to want a part of it. I don't think it's going to be a long-term fix for them. Hey, before you go, what number is bigger, the number of Seahawks fans in the stands at Lumen Field this weekend or the number of Seahawks fans in the stands when the Seahawks go to Arizona (laughs) in January? Uh, equal? It's like equal? a second home not, game. Not, Are you kidding me? It's yeah, like a fine. second home game. If I will, everybody's spending all their money on playoff baseball tickets. You guys got nothing but money to spend. You got no playoffs going on. You can fly down. You can golf. You can hang out. We, we're spending all that money right now. I love it. Hey, uh, good luck coming back against the Phillies, man. We'll talk soon, buddy. Thanks, Appreciate Jody. it, pal. Love it. Appreciate it, guys. Great to talk to you. All right. Jody Ayler, uh, Fox Sports 910. We're going to break Clint Hurt, Seahawk defensive coordinator. We're going to visit with him for a few next. The Big Hurt coming up next, baby. Right here on 93.3 KJRFM. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.